0: Well, praise the Lord, we are talking about what does God say about, and we've talked on a series of different topics, and I think these are issues that all of us deal with in different ways. You know, how many of you, when you, when you pray about what God wants, He kind of stays on a subject with you for a while, and it, you can't, either can't get past it in your prayer life, or as you pray, the same thought keeps coming to your mind, and just something that God wants you to work on what a scripture you read or whatever you pray. Uh, maybe it's a conviction that God's prompting you to do something that you're not doing or prompting you to, to stop doing something that you are. And I don't know about you, but I face that sometimes when I pray. I'll be praying, all of a sudden this, this thought keeps coming to my mind that I can't get rid of until God has me deal with it. And so I have to deal with it and then I'm able to pray on. And these aren't necessarily sinful things, but ones that you, you seem to face on a consistent basis. Maybe you're in a situation that constantly requires you to have patience. How many find yourself there? How many of you pray for patience? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. The only way you, if you found out that when you pray for something, God actually makes you work through it so you learn it, rather than just dropping it in your head, which I wish God kind of would do, just kind of open it up, pour it in, close it up, I'm good. That's not how God works. He keeps bringing up and makes you do it. You feel like God's trying to get something across to you. Whenever you pray or whenever you start reading the Bible, things come up and it's not just a one and done, but it's something that God wants you to continue to work on and that's kind of been how it's been with our Wednesday night class. How many are on our Wednesday night Bible study? We're talking and it's uh, David Jeremiah's book, Slaying the Giants in Your Life, and it talks about all kinds of issues and I, I really think, and I, I just can't get past one of the topics we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And the more I pray about it, the more that I, I keep thinking about it. And the topic that we're going to talk about this morning is resentment. Anybody ever been resentful? In our book, we, they always have an example, a real-life example that the author has experienced. And the one we went through was kind of an extreme one but I think that resentment is one of those issues that if we allow it to, will creep in and just kind of take up root in your life. Now, resentment is, dis- is different than disappointment. When you're disappointed with someone, you're like, eh. and you kind of walk around in a mellow state. When you're resentful, you become angry. and You want a retaliation thing. And resentment might even be one of those Christian sins, how many know what Christian sins are? It's the ones that Christians commit. Gossip, white lies. How many know the Bible doesn't differentiate between white and black lies, right? It's not, you know, hey, I haven't murdered anybody, I haven't robbed anybody, no idolatry going on here, but, you know, I can be angry, I can be resentful, I can even be hurtful. Those in in gossip, lie. Something we can carry around with us and not even know that we have it. When When I say the word resentment, what comes to your mind? And the words I thought of were anger, unfairness, inequality, being wronged by someone. The author says this, anger or resentment is anger multiplied time the more you're angry with someone the more you become resentful of them now we did talk about anger a while ago and resentment is just anger taken to its logical conclusion if you're angry with someone what does it make you want to do it makes you want to get even with someone usually and resentment is just anger taken to the end you know anger anger in itself dissipates over time someone cuts you off in traffic you're angry for five minutes, maybe 10 minutes, or maybe until you get home. Or, and this has happened to me, you get in the shortest line at the grocery store, and the lady in front of you has a 1,000 coupons that half of them don't work. And you see the line over there that's going through, and, and you're already stuck there. You're angry for a while, but when you leave the store, you're finally done, you're Okay. Anger cools off. Resentment allows anger to fester to the point where retaliation seems to be the only option. When you see a a mass shooting or any kind of action like that, that's basically someone who was resentful to the point they had to take action against the people they were resentful towards. Resentment can cripple you for the rest of your life. Anger is immediate, goes away. Resentment develops over time. Now the word resentment isn't in the Bible, but God gives us a term that describes it pretty well. In 1 Corinthians 13.5, this is the love chapter, it says, love is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Now, the word record here, And we talked about this on Wednesday night. We had a kind of a lively discussion on this. It's actually an accounting term, meaning to keep a ledger. Keep a ledger of everything that's ever been done to you. Resentment is keeping a ledger of every wrong that you have faced in your life. Everything that happens to you, you write it down. And you keep this ledger. Now, we, we talked about the accounting portion of that, how you have to calculate your checkbook to a penny. Now, how many of you do that? You balance your checkbook. How many of you just go online to check your balance? And whatever your bank says your balance is, is is what it is. My kids, I think it's this generation, the younger generation, they just go online. They check it. The bank says they have this. Okay. Yeah, I can't get into that. I have to balance it. I got to make sure that every nickel, every penny is accounted for. If it's not, I got to find it. When they're talking about keeping a record of wrongs, they're talking about balancing it out, making sure you have everything written down. Every time you've been offended, you keep track of that and you don't let it go. You ever talk to someone who keeps bringing up something that was done to them years ago? Somebody hurt them or did something wrong to them or something happened to them 10 years ago and they're still living there and they still are angry and they're still resentful and they're still carrying it around and they just can't get beyond it. They live in that moment for years and usually they want resentment or they want something to happen to that person. They want to get even with that person and it may not even be something that has been done to you. Maybe you're resentful of a person just because of who they are or what they have or what they've done. If you know someone who maybe has more than you and their life seems to be better than yours and they don't serve God, maybe I'm resentful at that. Maybe I'm trying to do everything right for God and that person is not doing anything right for God and yet their life seems to be going pretty well. Or they have all these material things, they can buy everything. Why can't I buy everything? Why can't I have what they have? That type of resentment can build up in you to the point where you want something bad to happen to them for no reason at all. Now, we all know David, King David. You know, every time I read that he's a man after God's own heart, and then I find out something that he's done stupid, I'm thinking, okay, maybe God thinks I'm a man after God's own heart. Now David, even when he's on his deathbed, he's still not doing things right. He's still messing things up. He's on his deathbed. He's giving the charge to Solomon. He's getting ready for you know, Solomon to take over. And he's gonna you know, pass the crown to him. And he says this in 1 Kings 2. He says, as the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. I'm going where everyone on earth must go someday. Take courage and be a man. Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all of his ways. Keep each of the laws, commands, regulations, and stipulations written in the law of Moses so that you'll be successful in all that you do and wherever you go. If you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise he made to me. Quote, If your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. So right now, that's good. He sounds good, he's, he's laying it on, he's telling them how to follow God and do all the right things. But there's something in his past he can't let go of. And he wants to get even. In verse five continues on, he says, and there's something else. You know that Joab son of Zeruah murdered my two army commanders, Admiral son of Ner and Amasa son of Jether. He pretended it was an act of war, but it was done in a time of peace standing his belt in sandals with the blood of war. Do with him what you think best, but don't let him die in peace. So he's on his deathbed. He's transferring the, the mantle of the crown to Solomon, encouraging him, telling him all the things he should do for God. Oh, and by the way, you need to get, take care of this guy too. Now, if I'm on my deathbed, I'm, I hope I don't have any kind of resentment against anybody to the point where, do this. Obviously, David's been thinking about this for quite a while. Never let it go. What could have been a great conversation between a father and a son as he was passing on, turned into a get even speech. And it kind of negated, I think, everything that was written before. It says, you know, follow the Lord your God, do all things right. Oh, by the way, make sure you kill this guy. He was a king. God, the, the most powerful nation on earth could have had everything and did have everything, and yet this one thing stuck in his craw, and he couldn't let go of it. But it gets better. Then he goes on. In 1 Kings 2, 7, it says, Be kind to the sons of Barzillai, son of, Gile- or Barzillai of Gilead, Make them permanent guests of the king, for they took care of me when I fled from your brother Absalom. Great. Teach your son respect for those who helped you. Remember your blessings. Take care of those who need you. Then he changes course again in verse 8. He says, And remember Shimei, son of Jerah, the man from Beharum and Benjamin. He cursed me with a terrible curse as I was fleeing Manaheim. He made fun of me, basically. When he came down to meet me at the Jordan River I swore by the Lord that I would not kill him. But that oath does not make him innocent. You're a wise man, and you will know how to arrange a bloody death for him. Do you think David carried some resentment around his life? Make sure he has not just kill him. Make sure it's a bloody death. You know, if you if you look at David's life, he may have been a successful king, but he wound up being a terrible parent for a number of reasons. And all the all the choices he made, all the things that he did, had a negative effect on his kids. I mean, from Absalom to Amnon, all the things that those guys did, all were brought about because of David's poor parenting. In my opinion. And resentment is another issue that David had that he just couldn't get rid of. Resentment ages you. Resentment takes toll in your life. And sometimes you're resentful to people who don't even know that you're resentful towards them for things that they don't even know they've done or maybe they didn't do. And resentment doesn't just stay the same. Look at David. How many years had passed since that happened? On his deathbed breathing his last he wants to make sure that he gets even with those two guys resentment will grow and it will consume you a woman by the name of Helen the Shad, writes this resentment grows it distorts reality it keeps us chained to the past like bad air it pollutes not just the bitter person but all those who come in contact with the resentful person bitterness and resentment two sides of the same coin and God addresses that in Hebrews 12:15 says see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many resentment will consume you it will it's like a weed it will consume you the word they're using here is like a malignant weed and what do weeds do Weeds grow in the worst conditions. They will always be there. If there's no grass and there's no rain, you'll have weeds. Every garden has weeds. No matter how much you take care of it and how much you try to protect it, they get in. And if you let them go and don't do anything about it, it will consume everything around them. We, when I lived in Mount Lebanon back in Pittsburgh, we had this tree out in our backyard, smaller tree. I don't have any trees anymore. Right side through a Christmas tree. And it was right outside our back window. And I, I would look at it and it, it looked healthy. It looked great. Until I went out one day and realized that there was this weed vine growing up all through the tree. And all the leaves that I saw were actually of the vine, not the tree. It actually was killing the tree. If, when I ripped all these vines out, it took me forever to rip all these vines out, there was like no leaves in the tree. So what I thought was a healthy looking tree was actually a tree that was being consumed by this this rogue vine that was there. And I think that's exactly what happens in our spiritual life. When we let bitterness and resentment get in, it chokes out every aspect of what God wants to do in you. And the verse we just read says, make sure that no bitter root grows up. Why? Because it's gonna cause trouble and it's gonna defile many. It's going to ruin you. If you allow resentment to come in and take up residence, it's going to ruin you. Now, weeds, they work fast, right? They're pretty quick. You pull them out and two weeks later they're in. In fact, if you look at my front yard, the, the bed where the, the bushes are, I, I must have pulled weeds out of there 50 times this year and 2 weeks later they're back. Yeah, I got good soil. I get and what but one of the trees that were there died, but the weeds are fine. They keep growing back. Weeds are fast and they're deliberate. Resentment and bitterness in your life, if you allow it, will work fast and it will work very deliberately. It will take up room in your mind. And if you look closely, sometimes weeds can pass For plants and weeds can pass for grass the vine and the tree that I had it looked like tree leaves it looked like it belonged there until I got rid of it and the point is resentment can feel justified if you have been wronged it's easy to think that you're justified in your resentment look at the parable of the the prodigal son the older brother resented his dad, resented his brother, he had a lot of resentment growing up. He, how many have read that story and thought that the older brother had a point? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, dad, man, this guy, he was out spending all your money and you welcome him back and you had this party for him. You didn't have a party for me. I, you know, all these things you're doing for him, you didn't do nothing for me. It's easy to look at the situation and realize the older brother is building up resentment now. And he wouldn't even come into the party that says, come on in, come on in. No, I'm not coming in. Resentment was growing up and he felt justified in his resentment. How many have been wronged by other people? If you're breathing, you probably have been wronged by other people. It's easy to feel justified in resenting them for what they have done to you or what they didn't do for you. And if we're not careful, we can walk around justified. The older brother was justified in his resentment, but God was critiquing the older brother because of the resentment. Need to let it go. Holding on to it, living in the past, what happens? we give away control of the future that our lives have because all we do now is think about the past we can't focus on today we can't focus on what's going to happen tomorrow because all you're thinking about is how you were wronged and how you want to get even or how you wish something bad would happen to that person how you wish God would kind of pour judgment on that person right now and you walk around feeling justified in your resentment Someone once said that resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other guy to die. So we're all going to be tempted with resentment because we're all going to be wronged by somebody or things are going to happen in our lives. It's going to, the enemy's going to generate a little bit of resentment. How do you get through it? How do you get rid of it? Well, the first thing you do is you think it through. 2 Timothy 2 says, think about what I'm saying. The Lord will give you understanding in all these things. Take time to play out why you're resentful. How many have maybe been wronged, and the longer you think about it, the bigger the wrong is. The more that they did to you than they actually did. And and if you think about it, sit down and, and think about what actually happened and ask yourself, is it really as bad as I think it is? Because resentment, when you begin to have that, it now makes you feel superior to the people who actually hurt you. You're resentful, you, you are justified in your resentment so you feel superior to them. Now, it says that usually people who have little self-worth are easier to be resentful. If you don't think a lot of yourself, you have a bad self-image, it's easy to be more resentful because now you're looking at another person. If you're a lower on the totem pole and you're looking at that person, they're bigger than you or better than you or you think they are, it's easy to resent them. The Bible tells us, remember who you are in Christ. You know, we were singing those songs this morning. And, and I think we need to be reminded sometimes of this, that it's not, we're not Christians because of performance. How many understand that? Now, we know that we're not saved by our works. But how many of you sometimes feel like you are kept by your works? The more I do for God, the better I try to please God, the more God loves me. Now, if you're brought up in a home that way, the better you acted, the more your parents loved you. If you didn't behave, your parents didn't love you, that's the attitude you're going to have from God. And sometimes we need to be reminded that There's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more. You are still God's kid regardless if you've been wronged, regardless if you are resentful. No matter who you are, you have to understand who you are in Christ. You're not just some other person. Galatians 3.26 says, so you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. John 15.15 says, now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And that's, I've told you before, that's one of the most powerful verses for me. That God looked down in your life, saw where you were, where you were at that point, and all the things you're gonna be in the future, and yet God picked you. He knew, all the mistakes I'm going to make from the time I got saved until the time I die, every time I'm going to blow it, every time I'm going to make a mistake, God saw it, and he still picked me. God saw where you were and everything you're going to be, and God still picked you. God thinks you're valuable regardless of what may have happened to you. When you carry resentment, now you give that job of judging away to yourself rather than allowing God to do it. Resentment makes you the judge, jury and executioner. And when you have that resentment, it feels like you have power. How many of you watch those Dateline shows? Sometimes, you know. We've been watching Long Lost Family because the Dateline shows were all about the spouse killed the spouse, you know. And so we watched the Long Lost Family to have a better attitude on a Saturday night. But you look at these things and they did, we watched one last night and they talked to the parents of the, the girl who was killed and they said point blank, he gets out and I'm killing him. I wanna kill him and, and I understand that. I mean, I understand that kind of anger but there's a point where you have to get rid of that and you have to realize that I, no matter what happens, I can't control what happens to that person. And if you walk around feeling like you're the judge, jury, and executioner, you are justified in that, and it begins to consume you. And you can't, you can't move on with your life after that. I, I saw one um, oh, a while ago where the father of the girl who was killed actually died because he just gave up because he realized I, I, couldn't, I couldn't help my daughter when she needed my help. And he, just, he lived in that, that guilt, and he, and he, he eventually it, it killed him. When you think it through, ask yourself these questions, is this what you really want? Whatever you think your resentment, you want to do with your resentment, ask yourself, do you really want that? Second question, is this who you really want to be? Do you want to be someone who carries that resentment around? Do you want to be someone who everyone knows you're the guy, you're the girl who live in that that moment that happened years ago? Do you want to be like David that on his deathbed was focused on a long-since-forgotten wrong to him? Do you want to be the person who can't get over the past? Do you want to be the person who lives in something that happened 10, 20, 30 years ago? Or even last week? Do you really wanna be that person? Second question you ask yourself is, how will this change the situation? It goes back to the verse, that sentence. It's like giving you drinking poison and waiting for someone else to die in your resentment, in your anger, and your bitterness, do you think that's going to change the situation? Will it change what happened to you? You know, if I drink this poison, that'll show them. If I walk around in guilt and bitterness and anger all my life, that's really gonna show that other person. And 99% of the time, they don't know that you are carrying that around other than controlling and ruining your life by living in that moment of resentment of that person how is it going to make your life better will it make you a better person we i believe that if you live in that you now are blocking what the holy spirit wants to do in you because now you're focused on resentment and anger and bitterness God can't break through that if that's all you're focusing on. The third question is, what will the consequences be for me if I carry it out? Now, we said resentment usually calls for retaliation. You want to get even. What would the consequences be for you if you did that? If someone hurt your family, would you want to get even with them? How would you do that? Do you really want to do that? What would the consequences be for that? Because they'd probably catch you. Do you really want to give up all your life because you want to get even for a moment? And every time we watch those Dateline shows and there's, whoever it is gets convicted, every family, bar none, says the same thing. We got justice, but it doesn't change anything for us. You may get justice, but it's not going to change anything. Maybe your spouse had an affair. Do you have one because they did? Just to show them how it hurts you? What are the consequences for carrying that around? What's the consequences for your family, for your kids, for your parents? If you walk around in bitterness and anger all day, what kind of an example are you presenting to your children? or those you want to witness to, your family. If you're always complaining and griping and bitter about something, no one's gonna wanna be around you and no one's really gonna wanna hear what you have to say about Christ. Fourth question, how can I get rid of it? Think of an alternative to being resentful. How many of us focus on all the things that we don't have and forget all the things that we do have? All the blessings we do have? Sometimes it's easier to focus on the negatives and forget every blessing that we have. Think about all the things that we have in, in this world, in this life right now, compared to, say, 100 years ago. How many of you have running water? How many of you have a commode that's in the house? How many of you have hot water without having to boil it? How many of you have clean water? How many of you have a house that you can actually heat with a furnace and not have to shovel coal? Or wood. Some of you have wood furners. Think of all the blessings you have compared to what they didn't have. All the medicine, all the technology that God's blessed this country with, the freedom that we have, the ability to be here in a nice air conditioned and heated building, all the blessings we have, the kids that you have, your family, your house, everything that God has blessed you with. Focus on those. If you focus on those, you'll have no time to focus on that other person who did something to you five years ago because you'll be focusing on the blessings that God did. I wrote down here, try being grateful for what you do have instead of the few hurts or wrongs that you experience. And sometimes just being rational with yourself, really explaining it to yourself, helps with resentment when you realize I have much more to to be thankful for than I do to be angry about. What else can I do to get rid of it? Well, write it down. There are times in scripture where God tells the writer to write something down for clarity. Hebrews 2, or Habakkuk 2, 2 says, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Jeremiah 30, verse 2, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, write in a book all the words I have spoken to you. Isaiah 8.1, the Lord said to me, take a large scroll and write on it with an ordinary pen. Write down, if you have a, an anger issue, a resentment issue, write down on a piece of paper what it is exactly that you're angry or resentful about. And be, and be as clear and concise as you can be. Detail it. And then read it back to yourself, loud, and see if it sounds as bad when you read it as when you think it. How many have ever been in this situation? And 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 I've been here, and I'll be mad about something or angry about something, and now, and I'll start to tell someone why I'm angry, and as I'm actually saying it, it sounds stupid coming out of my mouth. It's like I'm saying this, and I'm I'm saying I'm angry about it, but it, everyone's laughing because it's such a stupid thing to be angry about. The point is, if you write it down and read it out loud, it may not be as bad as you actually think it is in your mind. And sometimes the author says, when you're writing it down, it helps you organize it. Organize everything that was written down. So you have an, an actual account of what you were wronged about, not something you're making up in your mind. After you're done, walk away from it and come back later. And read it out loud again. And then the next day, read it out loud again. Does it make you feel as angry and resentful as it did the moment you were writing it down? The more you write it down, the more you make it clear, the more you're able to understand it's really not that big a deal. And even if it is a huge deal, God is able to take that away from you if you let him. Work it out, number three, work it out. Instead of sitting around brooding about it, get out and do something. Now when uh, Paul was talking to Timothy about the younger widows, Paul says this. Now I didn't write this. 1 Timothy 5.13 says, talking about younger widows, besides they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying things they ought not to talking about women I didn't write it but the point is if you're not busy with something you're gonna allow this resentment to build up in you and it's gonna consume you because you have nothing else to do if you're not busy doing something the enemy will keep those resentment thoughts going go for a walk you feel angry resentful go out go for a walk build something get a hobby Get your mind focused on, on completing another task. Set a goal for yourself. You can't be bitter and resentful if you're working on something that requires your attention. If you sit around on your couch all day letting this vegetate in your mind, it's going to consume you. The Bible says, get out and do something. If you don't do something, you're giving the enemy room in your mind. There's a phrase that the King James has that's not actually in, in the text. But we all know it. Idle hands are the devil's works up. How many know that verse? That's not technically what it means. If you read it in all the other translations, it'll say something else. It's close, but it's not the same. But I think the principle is true. What do you tell your kids when they're home doing nothing? They're going to get in trouble. They're not focused on doing something, a task, a chore, whatever it is. They're going to do something and get themselves in trouble. Get out and... Be involved in something, be involved in a, in a church, be involved in a ministry, be involved in doing something. Get your mind off of the things that are, are trying to take over resentful-wise. Number four, talk it over. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. They get a better return for their labor. If one person falls, another can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. Proverbs 17, 17 says friend is, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. Talk with someone about it. If you really have that anger and resentment going on, talk to somebody else. Verbalize it with them. Help, have them help you get over it. The Bible says that when, when God works, he works through people. How many understand that? You know, even if you're praying for money, And a check comes in your mail somebody wrote the check God works through people 99% of the time God is going to minister to you in a way that you need through somebody else so talk to someone else about the anger doesn't necessarily mean you talk to the person you are angry with it means talk to somebody else who can help you go through that and for the person that you have uh, an issue with Matthew 18 already tells you what to do right Matthew 18 says, you have a problem with someone, go to them one-on-one. If that doesn't resolve it, take someone with you. If that doesn't resolve it, then bring it to the church. Why? Because God wants reconciliation. God wants us to be unified as a body of believers. And there's a way to do that. Other people are good to talk with. God uses people. It may be a miracle that God sends you in the form of a person. And when you meet with that person, bring that written tablet that you wrote down of the grievance you have. Let them read it. And ask them their opinion on what you think is a, is a horrible grievance that you, are, that you are really resentful for. When you talk to someone, be honest. Honest about your feelings and honest about wanting to receive help and wisdom from that friend. Years ago, how many of you have ever been to a Promise Keepers event? It was a men's ministry thing in the 90s. And what they encouraged you to do was to get a, a partner that, and they called him an accountability partner. And what you would do is you would, the two of you would check up on each other and they would ask you, you know, my accountability partner would ask me, did you read your Bible today? Yep, did you pray? Yep, did you do? And I had a list of things. And the last question they would ask is, did you lie about any of the other questions? And, and you, you, each of you do that for the other. Why? It keeps you accountable that you're doing what God asks you to do. When you sit down with someone to talk about this being resentful and just having this thing consume you, you're having someone be your accountability partner that they're helping you work through why you're angry, why you're not letting God take this from you. The last thing you do is something you have to choose to do and that's give it up. Ephesians 4.31 says get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of malicious behavior. Ecclesiastes 3.6 says there's a time to keep and a time to throw it away. It's easy to talk about forgiveness and getting rid of resentment. But it's another thing to actually do it. You can talk to someone and they can encourage you. But you have to make the choice to do it. Corrie Ten Boom, if you know, she was the girl that went through Nazi concentration camps. Her sister was killed in the camp. She was treated horribly by some of the guards there. And she relates this story. And the story goes something like this. Corrie Ten Boom's now been out of the camps for years and she's going around ministering to, to women or to people. And at one of her meetings, the guard at her camp is at this meeting. The guard that was responsible for her sister's death and was responsible for the horrible treatment that Corey received, he's at this meeting. And she's talking about forgiveness. And he comes up and he knows, they both know who each other are. And he says, I've been a Christian since I got out of, you know, since the war was over, can you forgive me? And, Corey kind of steps back for a moment and was having a problem forgiving him. And here she's preaching on forgiveness. And when push comes to shove, is she able to do it? And before she says anything, she prays, Lord, help me in my unforgiveness. And the moment she prayed that, She says that the Spirit of God came upon her and she now was able to forgive this guy for what he did. That's what I mean by giving it up. You have to ask God to take it from you. Take your ability to be resentful from you because in the the end, you can't really do it yourself. You have to choose to do it, but you have to ask God to do it for you. And once he prayed... She says she doesn't even remember how it happened, but she said to the guard, I forgive you. The resentment she had melted away. How many ledgers are we carrying around? Keeping track of everything that was ever done wrong to you. And you may not have a ledger, but maybe you have them in the back of your mind. You know, this person really wronged me a few years ago. I'm not thinking about it much, but it's always in the back of my mind. If I see them in the store, I'm I'm not going to really talk to them. Or if I see them or I hear from them, yeah, I don't want to have a relationship with them. Those ledgers you carry around, whether you have them written down or not, they're in the back of your mind. And the resentment that you allow to take root is going to stop or stifle your walk with God. We said earlier that God works through people and that when Israel had to go into the the camp to fight, God didn't just do it for them. God made them go and do it, but God gave them the victory while they were doing it. Carrying around resentment is the same thing. If you're resentful for someone, God will take it from you, but you have to want to give it up. And you have to do battle because the enemy is not going to let go that fast. He's going to keep bringing that up to you and keep bringing it back up to you until the point where you have to say, I don't care. And allow God to take that resentment from you, allow God to fill you with the Spirit. And just like Corey, she said, it melted away. God will melt away that that, that resentment, that bitterness you have toward either a person or a situation. And until we do that, you're never going to be where God wants you to be. You know, our prayer all the time is, Lord, be pleased with what I'm doing. God loves us where we are, as the saying goes, but God, doesn't love you. God loves you enough to not let you stay where you are. God wants you to make you a better person. God wants you to be all that you can be in God. And resentment and bitterness are just stumbling blocks to, to where God wants to take you. Would you stand this morning as we close? Until we let things go and allow God to melt your resentment, you'll never be able to live the life that God has already mapped out for you. God has a plan, and we've set it for your life. Bitterness and resentment are roadblocks to that plan. God can't take you there until we deal with that. And the Bible says that If you ask God to be able to do that, the Bible says God will take it from you if you allow him to do that. Let's pray. If you would bow your heads. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been a member of this church for a long time. But maybe there's something in your life that's causing you to be resentful or bitter. It just may be a little thing. But you've been carrying it around for a while. Or maybe it's a relatively new thing and something just happened to you, and you're still working through the resentment part of it, that you're upset at what happened or didn't happen in your life. The enemy is gonna use that and he's gonna keep throwing that back at you until you decide to let it go, until you decide for God to take it from you. You can choose to forgive You can choose to let go. The choosing you can do without emotion behind it. The actual feeling and emotion of forgiveness will come eventually. We choose to forgive, and then God takes it from us. Let God do that for you this morning. Let God take that root of bitterness that resentment you may have in your life for whatever the situation might be. Maybe you're even resentful with God for not doing what you thought he should do. All these feelings, all these emotions, God wants to, to scrape that, that clean out of your life. Let him do that this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're a God who loves us and cares for us. And we're thankful that you're a God who already has our best mapped out for us. And we know what it's gonna take for us to get there. You're the one who's leading the, leading the charge. You're the one that's directing us to this great future you have mapped out for us. And I pray that you would take every obstacle out of our way Remove all the hindrances and the the bitterness and resentment that we may be carrying for little things or even big things. We pray you would allow us to forgive things that may have happened to us. Forgive the people that have done those things to us. Lord, we don't want any of these emotions to cloud us, to stop us from growing. Because resentment and bitterness just ultimately ruin who we are as people. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit fills each person here this morning. Allow us to experience the ability to move beyond things that may have happened to us that caused us to be bitter or resentful. Take those things from us, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit have his way. Lord, we talk about transforming people. We talk about how we're transformed when we're saved, but this is a transformation as well you have the ability to transform our emotions into what you want them to be father we freely give them to you we don't want to but we do knowing that you will change our hearts father bless each person here this morning allow them to experience the blessing of god every day and allow us the opportunity to share that blessing with the people we come in contact with every day Father, we love you this morning. We just commit ourselves to serving you the best that we can. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Have a great week. We will see you Wednesday. God bless you. Let me know what God's doing in your life. Testimonies are powerful things.